pastors and church planners around the world need your help to receive a confessional Reformed Baptist theological education. Introducing the William Carey Scholarship Fund at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. You can help students like Sam in India for its seminary training and Bible software with thousands of critically needed theological books. To learn how you can help, visit cbtseminary.org slash carry. Covenant Podcast exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. We pray you find this resource edifying, faithful to Scripture, and Christ-exalting. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. Austin McCormick here, and today I'm excited to talk with Jerry Doris. The topic is going to be Reformation Church and Evangelism, and we're going to be talking about some other things. But before we get started, welcome to the podcast, Jerry. Yeah, thanks for having me, Austin. This is uh, an honor to to be on this. Yeah, and uh, before we get into our topic, uh, this is your first time on our show, and so can you briefly introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, sure. My name is Jerry Doris. I'm uh, one of the elders of Reformation Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. I'm a uh, bivocational pastor. I'm a former missionary to Turkey. Uh, my wife of 30 years and I have two children. Uh, my oldest is married uh, for coming up on four years now. And my youngest uh, just got engaged this last Friday. So we're we're empty nesters now in the house. So well, that's great. Congratulations on your family's recent marriage. Um, the topic of our conversation, as I mentioned in the introduction, is Reformation Church and evangelism. So just to begin our conversation, can you tell us uh, a little bit about Reformation Church and what the Lord is currently doing there and uh, perhaps some ways that our audience can pray for Reformation Church? Sure. Yeah. Um, so Reformation Church uh, was launched or planted uh, October uh, 7, or 2017 uh, to coincide with the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. That's why we call ourselves Reformation Church. Uh, we are a 1689 confessional congregation uh, who impresses upon uh, our congregation a great need for public proclamation in our day and hour. I'd say that's a fair summation. Uh, not that that's the only way that we bring glory to God, but it's certainly one that we uh, we emphasize amongst the elders and amongst the congregation as well. Uh, and the Lord is steadily adding to our number uh, on, on a on a weekly basis, we see uh, new people. We have people driving upwards to an hour and a half uh, to come to church, which is humbling when we go for pastoral visits to when we drive that length and realize they're doing this, uh, this drive twice, twice a, a, a Lord's day just to come and, and go home. So that's humbling. Um, so uh, we're looking for a new place right now. I guess that's probably one of our top, uh, prayer request is just a new space that can accommodate um, our current places. You know, we started as a church plant. We're kind of in a commercial area and have uh, three cells within this, uh, you know, commercial building. And uh, to, to and we fill out that space pretty regularly. We're kind of all over each other, but and it, it's a good atmosphere, I and mean, we enjoy that full feeling. But uh, anyway, so I would say a new new space. Um, here a couple of weeks ago too, we, um, 
we, we asked the congregation to give us their input on uh, helping us raise the deaconate. We have uh, five elders currently and we are, uh, we do need deacons. And, and so we were asking for that. We've had a number of uh, submissions for that and we're just prayerfully thinking. So prayer for wisdom right now would be, uh, would be, you know, appreciated. Well, uh, just to continue to introduce you a little bit, I'll say something of you and my first meeting with you. I think we met for the first time formally uh, at a class here together at Covenant Baptist Theological yeah. Seminary. And I remember one of the first conversations that I had with you, you were asking me about what our church did for evangelism. And you were talking about some ways that some other churches around you were doing evangelism. And you were talking about the evangelism of your church's ministry. And yeah. so from the very beginning of meeting you, um, I recognized your passion of evangelism. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Okay. Um, can you expound upon, and I imagine at this part of the conversation, uh, you'll have much opportunity to talk for a longer time. Can you expound upon your church's evangelistic ministry? And I'll ask you a series of questions here. Um, what is Reformation Frontline Missions? I've seen that on social mm. media. Yeah. What are some ways that you try to share the law and the gospel through this ministry and where do you go? Where are some places that you are uh, going to do evangelism through this ministry? Yeah. Well, um, so Reformation Frontline Missions was started at the beginning of 2020. And um, it's really, it's the evangelism arm of Ref Church. Uh, that's what we call Reformation Church, Ref Church. Um, the lines are blurred between uh, church evangelism and RFM. There is a distinction in our minds, and so, but they they blur back and forth. And those uh, that do one do do other things, you know. So they mix and match. But RFM is uh, is its own entity, and it falls under the leadership of the elders of the church and uh, the stewardship of our congregation. Um, RFM is really a way for people outside of our congregation to uh, financially support or prayerfully support, get be informed about the public proclamation uh, that, that is going on. Uh, so I would say that's probably the best distinction. Um, there we have two evangelists, uh, Austin Keeler, who is a student at uh, CBTS, and then Hunter Norwick uh, is also um, you know, he the, the, meaning they're they're receiving funds from the mission, and so uh, our church heavily supports that mission, and many support them individually. And then outside of that, we have people that are uh, bringing uh, resources in to help them to do that on a full time basis. Now, Austin is full time, and then also a full time student, uh, and uh, Hunter is just getting started in that. His his ministry goals are are more of a part time, but by vocational, just needing some some help to offset. Um, but um, the church and RFM combined, um, they uh, have evangelistic outreaches probably five times a week, I would say at a minimum. Um, that's, that's usually what's happening. And so the local stuff that happens within Shelbyville, I would identify that as more of Ref Church. That's more of us because more of our congregation and then those things that are regional are going to be more of RFM. But again, there's that blurring that occurs. But uh, here in Shelbyville, we pass out tracks uh, at area businesses. 
And so all of our tracks are designed with the law gospel in mind. Uh, and and, and uh, so that's, you know, one of those ways that we do that. Um, we have two uh, weekly prayer stations in front of uh, one, our local courthouse. So every Tuesday, you know, all the, the courthouse, um, you know, all the, you know, traffic court and that kind of stuff is Tuesday mornings. And so there's a lot of, a uh, lot more that come for that. And they're not just from Shelbyville. They're from whoever the police have nabbed along the way. Um, last week, actually, I got to uh, share the gospel with a Mormon who had gotten a ticket. And uh, that was very interesting. And he, after the conversation, we, I challenged him about uh, his beliefs in Mormonism and, and, um, and, you know, sharing the gospel with him. And uh, afterwards, he asked me if he could have my phone number. So we've exchanged phone numbers and uh, hopefully that's going to, you know, launch into something else. But that was just outside of our courthouse right here in Shelbyville, Kentucky. And this guy, I think he lives an hour and a half away or something. Um, and then we have our, our prayer station in front of our church. And we it's getting a little colder, so we, we haven't done it for the last couple of weeks. But, um, you know, in warmer weather, we just put up a banner. It says prayer station. It's right out front of our commercial it's kind of the the unique location that we have with um uh you know having traffic that goes right in front of our our, our space because it's in a retail area uh we get traffic and so we'll throw our bodies in front of cars to get them to stop stuff and then we'll hand <laughs> them gospel tracks and pray with them but you know on average uh we're praying and handing tracks out maybe uh 10, 20 different stops would come by. And um, we've had, I've had personally had people show up in tears. You know, they've seen our prayer prayer station and they're desperate for prayer and they don't know where to go. And so they'll stop. I had a, had a lady here last year stop and tell me that uh, her husband had just left her. She had just found out about that. And so, you know, we're broken hearted with her. And, and, but at the same time, we need to, help them to see that their their greatest need is to be reconciled to Christ. Even in that uh, dire situation, uh, being right with Christ is, and, and right with the Lord is, is of premium uh, importance. Who better to uh, take those that are suffering and, you know, help those that are suffering than to acquaint them with the, someone who's acquainted with much grief, which is Christ. Uh, so there's that. Um, and then again, locally, this may surprise some people because Shelbyville is not a very big town, uh, but we open our preach in front of our Kroger and uh, we open our preach in front of uh, uh, area gas stations. And that is a that is actually one of our favorite uh, areas and things to do. We, we get people that pull up. Uh, our, our Kroger is unique. So we have our Kroger the building and the parking lot, and then there's a Kroger fuel. And then there's this sidewalk that's right next to it. That's actually elevated. And so we can literally preach over the top of our, the parking lot and reach hundreds of people. And uh, so we are, there was in our local Facebook groups, there's uh, Austin is known as the ladder man because he stands on a ladder when he preaches. And uh, somebody was asked, Hey, are there any, good churches in the area and everybody's listening to churches and somebody says you don't need to go to church you can just go to kroger on fridays and listen to the ladder man and so so we have a we have a bit of a reputation in our town and um we've had the police called on us many times and the police love us they've actually driven driven by before and uh 
you know, roll down the window and, you know, we stop to talk and we say, Hey, we're getting complaints. So it must be, you guys are doing something right. And so they, they smile at me. So that's good. Um, so that's locally. Uh, but regionally, we also, we go to the abortion clinic in Louisville every single Tuesday and multiple times a week, but always on uh, Tuesday. Um, and then we'll go to uh, sporting events. Uh, just here two weeks ago, we were at the University of Louisville and uh, UK football game, which is one of the most attended games. And we just handed out uh, gospel tracts and booklets and different uh, resources that we have. Um, we go to concerts, we go to festivals, we go to uh, gay pride events, um, all to open air preach and just to share uh, the gospel with them. That was a long answer. I don't know if that's what you're looking for, brother, but that's uh, that's what we do. Yeah, I want to follow up on that. Um, yeah. in, in the regional part where you were talking about some places that you go, you mentioned that you go to abortion clinics and you go to uh, pride events. Can you tell mm -hmm. our audience a little bit about what that's like whenever you go to try to do evangelism in those places that you pretty much know from the very beginning, as soon as you're there, you're going to be opposed? Yeah, sure. Well, at, at the abortion clinic, um, there we are. What's interesting, you know, so our objective there is still the same. We want to proclaim the gospel and pro proclaim good news. These are people on the cusp of of murdering their children, and um, and so we want to warn them with the law. The law simply stated in that context is that uh, abortion is murder, and that you know. Uh, you have no right, you know, even though our culture and our government says that you have the right to murder your child, uh, it's not okay in God's courtroom and you're going to hold, be held accountable. So the law uh, plays a, a powerful, uh, you know, point in that. We've had people that have come out of the abortion clinic. So let me make sure, make sure you understand what we do. We use amplification right outside the, the window of the waiting room. So they have to hear us unless they put earbuds in. They're hearing um, us plead with them. They're hearing us talk about the law, and they hear us talking about the gospel. We, we, they hear them, uh, you know, they hear us talking about our experience with salvation, our former life of, of, of sin and wantonness. And uh, so we, we call them out, we call them to account, and we call them to repentance. There's no hope in the clinic. There's only hope in Christ is a common line we may uh, say. And so we've had women uh, come out and rip up their papers in front of us and say, we're not going to do it. We're not going to go through with the abortion. Uh, we've had uh, people uh, that have come out and just say they're not going to do it. And what's really interesting, because we, we have a fund at our church, with, you know, a well-funded uh, account to help anybody financially. In whatever way, if you need an apartment, a car, uh, you know, gas money, whatever, just to kind of help you. If, if you're just overwhelmed, we're going to overload you with diapers and all the, the logistical help that you're going to need. We're going to train you how to do your finances. We're going to give you a job. We have men in our church that stand ready to employ uh, men who are ready to work. And um, but it's interesting is that no one has ever taken us up on that. Um, they've come out of that and we say. Uh, what, how can we help you? And they said, you've already helped us. We don't need any help. Uh, it, it's a conscience. It's, it's the seared conscience and the law pierces that. And uh, the gospel 
uh, is the, the answer to the conviction that people come under when they hear the preaching of the law. And so uh, I could give you story after story of different encounters. We had a save last week where somebody said they're not, not going to do that. Now, you know, because we're not there every day, we can't verify that they didn't come back the next day, but we know they didn't go that day at least and that they were convicted. Um, yeah, we don't go to save a baby. It, 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 we don't have the mentality that, hey, we're successful because this happened or that happened. We actually uh, just defy pragmatism. We are not there to save a baby, although we want that to happen. We are there to glorify God by proclaiming his law and his gospel. And so if no one is saved, if no one comes to faith, we have worshipped him. We have obeyed him. We have done precisely what we have been called to do. Now, he does give us manna, <laughs> is what we call it, where we get those little moments. Uh, here, uh, it was a year, year and a half ago, I think it was Tanner and Laura, they uh, worked with a young Hispanic couple couple outside of the abortion clinic and then and saved this baby and they're from Shelbyville and I think they uh, Laura was able to see this baby at a, in our Kroger they were walking through and there's this is the baby uh, that was saved in that day so that's that's manna you know we get really excited about that but that's not why we go uh, we go because um, this is the gates of hell here in in uh, Louisville Kentucky you know, they're literally sacrificing children uh, uh, 40 minutes from our church. Um, sadly, there's not a lot of churches that do what we do. There's a few, but um, uh, we wish that the church, the professing church at a minimum would rise up and show up in mass. Because if we were down there with 200, 300 Christians, which we could easily do, uh, we're, we sit in the shadow of Southern Seminary. You could get a number of people there, we would shut that place down. But it's one or two of us that are standing out and preaching. So hmm. that's the abortion clinic. Um, yeah. And uh, later on, our, <laughs> later on in our conversation, uh, I'll give you an opportunity to uh, give encouragements to churches to be more evangelistic, like you just expressed in, in a, a desire to have there in yeah. front of the abortion clinic. But for this next part of the conversation, um, in connection with your church's evangelistic ministry, can you tell us a little bit about Five Solus Press? Um, yeah. What is Five Solus Press? What have you published? And what do you intend to publish in the future? Yeah, sure. So Five Solus Press is the uh, a publishing company that we started a couple years ago. Our first publication was a tract called uh, Jesus Never Talked About Homosexuality. It's a pink track that we designed. We designed the title and the co color and everything to be given away at Pride Festivals. So that was our first publication. And we, uh, we've given probably close to 20,000 of those away at this point and um, you know, hel helped other churches. It's been given as far away as Australia. It's uh, been given in the UK, um, ca caused quite a stir here a couple years ago with that track in the UK, which was very interesting. Um, um, but our, the, the publishing house, uh, we've, we've published four books so far, um, and we've got two additional tracks, so there's seven products, if you will, that we have published. 
Um, and this month we are publishing a book called The Reformed Evangelist, and it's by authors Al Baker and um, Ryan Denton. And that book is uh, just calling for local churches to um, raise up the office of evangelist again, uh, of which we have, you know, evangelist in our church. Yeah, and uh, just before we move on, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that tract? Uh, the title of it seems as if it's catchy for a reason. Yes, yeah, so we call it uh, it's it's camouflaged. So the 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 subtitle is so it's Jesus never talked about homosexuality, and the subtitle is ten uh, arguments used but are you to use against judgmental Christians. And so basically it goes through those arguments. And so it answers the question, did Jesus ever talk about homosexuality? Well, the answer is yes, he did. You know, he, he prohibits it when he says that it's uh, uh, between a, a one man and one woman that prohibits anything outside of that. And so we could, you know, that the same argument could be made for bestiality or, uh, you know, Jesus never talked about bestiality. Jesus never talked about anything. He could go through the most horrific uh, sexual sins you can think of. Um, that's not cover to do it because he's given the, the boundaries for it and therefore uh, he prohibits it. And then, of course, as the second person of the Trinity, uh, Jesus did speak about homosexuality. He is the, the author of the scriptures that we are we have in our hands. He is the one who uh, thunders. He is the word of God. Uh, you know, how can we divorce him from, um, you know, what it says in Deuteronomy, what it says in uh, Exodus, what it says in First uh, Samuel uh, concerning homosexuality? These are inspired words by his Holy Spirit. So. Uh, anyways, that's just the answer to that first question. But there's a number of uh, excuses that people give. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, I just previously referenced the opportunity I would give you to uh, offer some encouragements. We do admire your church's evangelistic zeal from afar, and we are encouraged by your efforts to share Christ by preaching both the law and the gospel. Yeah. If a church is struggling in its evangelistic outreaches, what tips might you give to them to glorify God through the proclamation of the law and the gospel by way of evangelism to unbelievers? Um, the, the easiest way to get started or to jumpstart uh, evangelism in your church, I would say, is through a prayer station. Um, what we have found is that the prayer station has been the catalyst to help others have the courage to do other things. It is very easy to uh, put up a sign that says prayer station, have someone come to you, uh, you pray with them and you give them a gospel track. If that's all that happened in that exchange, which I think anybody can do, they can pray for people and they can give them a gospel track. Then the gospel has been proclaimed if you have a good track. Um, when we muster courage, we can have longer conversations and address those things. Uh, we need to remember that uh, evangelism is not invitation to church. Evangelism is the proclamation of Christ. Uh, evangelism is the proclamation of the law, which uh, sets up the need and, help, and helps us understand our need for Christ. And then uh, the gospel is the answer to the question, and, and Christ fulfills the, the law's requirements on our behalf. So um, just remember that uh, in your 
proclamation as you articulate. But even if you fumble through that and all you did was invite them to church, but if you gave them a track, you've, evan- you've, you've proclaimed the gospel because it's in that track. Uh, so I would start there. And let me tell you what happens. Um, this is really good for your older uh, congregants. This is great for, for an older congregation, which has, uh, you know, elderly men, elderly women uh, who, um, you know, they're gentle in their demeanor. They, uh, who, who wouldn't want to pray with grandma? Who wouldn't want to pray with grandpa? So we have that. Our courthouse ministry is led by a 75-year-old man. And it used to be a team of two men. They were both called, uh, both named Larry. One passed away uh, uh, a year ago. And, um, but those two men faithfully stood outside there. And now one, he's, he stands there and he has a couple other ladies from the church that come with him. So there's a team of three people and they are on fire for just handing out tracts and praying with people and sharing the gospel one-on-one with people. So prayer station. And if people want to get started in a prayer station and want to use the signage that we use, you can just go to reformationfrontline.com and uh, contact us and we'll send you some of the links that and get you started with how to do that. Hmm. Great. Great. Well, um, let's talk about a church that has been evangelistic and they've been proclaiming the law and the gospel and they've been desiring to exalt Christ and Though they have been faithful, it appears that the work of their hands have failed. It appears as if none are coming to Christ, none are turning from their sins, and people are continuing in lawlessness and iniquity. What encouragements would you give to the evangelist in those situations who are just continually preaching and feeling discouraged? Sounds like Noah. No, Noah did that for for quite a while and didn't see any fruit other than his family. We do not proclaim the gospel to make converts. Our goal is not to see people come to Christ in in um, that they would. Um, how do I mean that? Because that that might be off putting to somebody. Our goal is to proclaim Christ, and by that, everybody is presented Christ. We lead everybody to Christ when we proclaim Christ. Now. We believe as reformed Christians, we know that God must regenerate the heart. And if God is not regenerating the heart, that's on him. Uh, My objective is to glorify him by obeying the Great Commission, by proclaiming his law and his gospel. And um, I leave the fruit to him. And if he sees fit that I should be like Noah and spend my entire life preaching and never see uh, uh, what I would call fruit, um, then so be it. But there is fruit. I'll tell you, at our prayer station, the fruit that we do see is the fellowship of the saints uh, gathered together. When you get like five, ten people, uh, we have intergenerational uh, uh, fellowship that occurs. When you have older couples with younger couples or uh, some of our best uh uh, most most faithful people at our prayer station are our young people. We'll get like our 16, 17 year old girls. They'll come. They'll sit with uh, older uh, couples, and they're just we're just talking. We're just learning. Is that not fruit? Is that not beneficial? Um, you do not know the impact of public witness when you stand out on the street and you hold a sign that has. So last Easter we we have uh, 32 different scripture signs 
and we stood outside on Easter Sunday with our scripture signs and uh, people honked, people flipped us off, people did whatever. What's the impact of that? We're glorifying God. We're worshiping our Lord and by through evangelism. And um, so I would just encourage that church, press on, keep going, increase the different ways in which you evangelize. Um, you know, uh, I would just uh, branch out, do different things uh, in your evangelism as well. Yeah. So it sounds like I'm hearing you say, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, that we can take encouragement knowing that seeing more people converted is not our chief end. Our chief end is to glorify God by being faithful to him. And part of Amen. our faithfulness to him is to preach the law and the gospel, and he will Amen. bring the increase. Yeah. Um, before we start to wrap this up, I do want to talk about another ministry of your church, and that is Reformation War Room. Uh, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about Reformation War Room? Sure. So we, we have three main ministries that that we do. We have Reformation Frontline Missions. We have Five Solis Press, and then we have the Reformation War Room. And what that is, it's just a quarterly, one-day conference um, designed to equip men uh, to face the challenges that we are all living in and seeing today. There's so much... Um, just different ideologies that are assaulting the church right now. And so we don't have, uh, we, 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 we want to be equipped to do that. We don't want to play catch up. And so the war room is just an opportunity for men to, uh, and it's across denominational lines. We have people from you know, Presbyterians, Charismatics, whatever they are coming because they're coming to study. They're coming to hear. And then we just we have good speakers that are that are leading and we want to give everybody a book, you know, when they come and we have a big meal uh, together with with just the men. So we started this last year. We did four of them last year. We're about to do our fifth. So far, we have uh, tackled uh, courage to stand against cultural ideologies was our first one that Austin Keeler actually was the keynote speaker for that. That was a, a bold message that he delivered to those men. Um, We've been called to uh, recognize effeminacy in the church and within our own lives to to put that out. And uh, we have been challenged to be like men. Uh, Dr. Uh, Oreck here this last November, he challenged us uh, uh, to understand what manliness is uh, in our culture and, and the need for that in this time. Uh, we've even had uh, challenged people about abortion and picking up, uh, uh, you know, that issue. Uh, but this next one that we're doing is January 29th, and that is going to be uh, with John Harris. I'm not sure people know who he is, but uh, Conversations That Matter podcast is leading that. And this one is going to tackle the social justice movement. And uh, we are giving away his book uh, uh, at that particular uh, war room. Uh, pretty excited about it. If people want to know about that, they can just go to Five Soulless Press. And uh, you'll see, so that's the number five, solaspress.com. And if you go there, you'll see War Room. Just click it and you'll get all the information that, that's there for you. So, Well, I have enjoyed this conversation. And as we are wrapping it up, uh, I do want to ask you if you have any final thoughts or final encouragements pertaining to the topics we've been discussing, uh, Reformation Church, Reformation Frontlines Missions, Five Solus Press, and then more generally then the Christian ministry and or evangelism. Do you have any final thoughts on any of these topics we've been discussing? Just to encourage your listeners to, to get started, uh, to don't, uh, so many 
seminary students, we live near uh, Southern here. So many seminary students come out of there not having a zeal for evangelism. They go in perhaps with zeal, but they don't come out with it. And um, and churches have lost this witness. They, they begin to think that evangelism is invitation, bring people into the church and that let my pastor evangelize them. Uh, we have a, a different mindset. We, the, the church, the Lord's Day service is for the saints to equip them to go out. And we believe that the elders of the church are responsible to create corporate evangelism for the members of the church. If we don't evangelize, we don't, we're not exercising the muscles that we spent all this time equipping, 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 learning and studying, learning and studying, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And if you do not evangelize, you're not really using those muscles. And evangelism is really the lifeblood of the church. That's why we're still here. It's why Christ hasn't returned yet. It's because there is yet work to do in proclamation. And so that's, uh, I just encourage you, get started in some way. Um, contact me through any one of these uh, these places. I'd be happy to sit and talk with you and even strategize. We've sent Austin to other churches that wanted to be uh, equipped. And we've done map studies. You know, here's, a, here's a great evangelism spot. Here's the places you could be. And just to try to help churches get started in that way, we're, we are ready and able and willing to help. Uh, other churches. We just want the church to be inflamed for the before for what we are called to be doing right now. Hmm. Amen. I really like that uh, illustration you've given us of the the flexing of the muscles or the exercising of the muscles to put into practice what people have studied for. Yes. Well, Jerry, uh, thank you so much for taking your time to discuss Reformation Church and its. Uh, desire to evangelize. And thank you so much for taking this time to discuss these topics with me today. Thank you, brother. And to our listeners, we want to wish you grace and peace. For additional content, check out our blog ministry at covenantconfessions.com. Also, keep up with our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Next, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Lastly, Thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. Grace and peace to you.